The first round of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am is in the books. Phil Mickelson hit every fairway. He hasn't done that in 20 years. And a question of, should we swing more like Matthew Wolf, who performed quite well last week at the Phoenix Open, or should we swing more like our good friend Ho Sung Choi, who's made his first appearance on American soil at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am? Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Data Access Golf, the podcast. Is that dramatic enough? Anyway, it's great to have the first uh, round of the AT&T Pebble Beach in the books. We've got uh, a couple players up at the top that we've talked about previously. Uh, Brian Gay is known to be a very short player, but playing very well. And then Scott Langley, good player. He's been coming up and and doing really well uh, through the ranks, playing some good golf. So just looking at their scores really briefly, they both shot uh, 64s at the uh, Monterey uh, Peninsula Country Club, the shore course, which is gorgeous, great course. Shorter, obviously, the tour pros are having an easier time of it. It's also interesting to see that they've They've taken all the big names and stuck them over on MPCC to make sure that they're available at Pebble Beach both Saturday and Sunday for those that make the cut. It's a a three-day cut this week. Anyway, so we've got all the big names over there. We had some really good scores over there. It's the shortest course. It tends to be the one that they score really well on. I've played the short course a number of times. I don't know how they score so well on it because it absolutely chews me up and spits me out. But it's a gorgeous place, wonderful course, and fun to see um, them work their way around it. it it's got to be one of the most beautiful courses. So as far as Brian Gay, again, we're just going to look at the scorecards real quick. A front 9, 29, 5 under par. And he went 5 birdies in a row from holes 5 to 9, birdied them all. So pretty amazing. Threw in a bogey on the back 9 with, two, with 3 more birdies, and boom, there you have it, a 64, minus 7. Scott Langley. A 31 and a 33 uh, with one bogey on the back nine and, and one bogey on the front nine. So, again, two really cool 64s and minus sevens. It'll be interesting to see how they perform today. Kind of fun, too. Phil Mickelson kind of did a, a quick little video. I saw it on Instagram where he was um, saying that this was the first time ever in his career that he had hit every single fairway. And that uh, turns out, after doing just a little bit of research, that's not true. About 20 years ago, he did it once before, but it's been a long time, right? A couple decades, which uh, I was going back and forth with uh, texting with a friend this morning. Uh, Greg, good morning to you. The point was kind of being how funny that we as amateurs get so down on ourselves when we miss a fairway, whereas, you know, we look on tour, some of these benchmarks that we've been talking about in and setting up in order for us to sort of manage our own games and manage our own expectations and keep them realistic, that, you know, this is the first time in 20 years Phil has hit every fairway. And uh, if we don't hit every fairway, we freak out a little bit. And it's about backing off, keeping our expectations low, keeping the frustration level down, and just realizing that, you know, when we're dealing in microseconds and millimeters, that sometimes things are going to go wrong and we're not going to hit every single fairway, even if we're swinging it at 95 miles an hour. So that was kind of a nice reminder, and so we'll keep going that direction. 
Uh, one thing I wanted to kind of point some light on really quickly is um, just because that we're into uh, rapidly learning and all that, there's a, if you go to golf.com, there's a little article that's been put out there by one Will Leach, I guess his name is, L-E-I-T-C-H. And if that's wrong, somebody can correct me. But he's uh, 43 years old. He's a skeptic, I guess, non-golfing skeptic, never played. And he now is going to try to learn to play the golf, play golf in the next year. And uh, with basically using the same coach that's kind of got uh, Charles Barkley playing a little bit better. There's some things, as you read the article, there's some things that I like that came out of this article to me where I think that he might have an opportunity within a year to play decent golf. We won't say, you know, perfect golf, but decent golf in that this, this coach, Tattersall, likes to use a lot of different technology, right, and, and feedback. I've said time and time again, I believe with uh, instant feedback, accurate feedback, that anybody can get a lot better at golf very quickly, much more so than we've ever been able to do in the past. So this will be kind of a fun test to see how it goes. There's still some skeptics out there that say, no, you, you, know, you can't. You can't do it. I was one of those. I have been brutally honest to people who started the game late and told them that they, didn't, they don't have time to ever get good at golf. I, I now find that position to be completely wrong. It's false. With all the technology and opportunity that we have to get better and get proper feedback, we can get a lot better at golf much more quickly than ever. So this will be fun to watch. So if you want to take some time to watch that, that's on golf.com. Uh, I will definitely keep an eye on it. I think it's going to be interesting. And as far as have I seen others get better with golf? Yeah, I've seen a lot of folks using technology get better at golf. The aforementioned uh, Greg that I was talking about, he's gotten much better at golf. He knows his golf swing far better because of some work with technology that he's put in. I saw in my own children, I essentially took a brand new golfer in my kids and turned them into players that could shoot in the mid 80s uh, in a month from really nothing. And had, they, had I ever been able to convince them to go out and chip and putt and practice that part of the game, I think they could have shot in the 70s. But what I wanted to get into, kind of the main point of, of today, and I've wanted to do this one for a little while, uh, is talking about the, these swings, these sort of homegrown, homegrown natural swings. And over the course of the last two weeks, we've seen some pretty interesting ones. This Matthew Wolf, who's of Oklahoma State fame, uh, sunk the winning putt for his team, pressure player, very athletic, very skilled, um, scores the ball well, got a, a sponsor's exemption at the uh, Moist Management Phoenix Open, and played really, really amazingly well to make the cut the first two days, and then kind of struggled the last two, when I think reality kind of sat in. But he's got a very unorthodox swing. I guess he had some coaches that try to fix his swing or change his swing, and this one coach that he's with now said, absolutely not, I'm not going to touch it. It's very well documented that when Dustin Johnson first went to Butch Harmon, bowed wrist at the top of his swing. Butch said, hey, yeah, I'm not touching that for fear that we'd never see you again, maybe on the PGA Tour. So there's definitely some folks out there that believe that you shouldn't touch a swing. Our second example of a pretty unorthodox, well, an unorthodox golf movement, I guess, if you will, is Ho Sung Choi, who's come over from Korea and got a sponsor's exemption into the AT&T. Kind of had a tough time yesterday, but then kind of brought it on and finished, I think, one over par, 72. Uh, but he got it 1.4 over par, so he had to work pretty hard to get that back. 
people have their fun with him on social media and things, not so much for his swing, but for his follow through antics. And there were some interviews where he claims that he's trying to control the ball with his body as a his body acting as a remote control for the ball, which I think we've all done at some points in our lives and realized that that doesn't work. But anyway, so the question then for the podcast was, which should we, you know, which swing should we emulate? It's kind of a trick question because my knee jerk is always going to be neither, you know, you know, figure out your own swing. And there's some ways we do that. And I've talked about Fred Shoemaker and how he has this um, process where you actually throw clubs and figure out your natural motion you listen to your body and figure out your natural motion on how to propel an object down a fairway. You really want to get into that and learn how to do that, then you should buy his book, Extraordinary Golf. It's got it all in there and how to do it and how to figure it out. I found that to be wonderfully helpful in figuring out how your body moves. The beauty of that club throwing practice is that at any time our bodies are going to change. And as we get older, they're going to change. But there's something inside of us that knows the best way for us to move at any particular time in our lives. And that's just innate. That's just built in. It's the same innate knowledge that we have when we walk and when we breathe and when we hear a noise and turn around quickly. All of this stuff that we don't think about but just happens automatically, that's what creates this opportunity for us to figure out how we can most efficiently move. And it works for the golf swing as well. So this club throwing motion, this, this idea of propelling something instead of hitting something is what puts us into a place where we can actually have beautiful golf swings very, very quickly. And Fred Shoemaker ha- is masterful at, at teaching that principle. I love it. And then once you get that movement down, now we can get into the nitty gritty of swing playing and, and impact and all that. And that's where the technology comes in and the feedback and all that can make us really, really good. Comparing the Matthew Wolf swing and the Ho-Sung Choi swing, just on the fundamentals, it's Ho-Sung Choi's. It's not even close. Fundamentally, his is pretty close. He takes the club a little outside. Matthew Wolf takes it way outside, gets it super high at the top, has to really drop it down. Again, it's a, it's a, a very extreme two-plane move and then brings it way from the inside. And anyway, it's he's got this huge trigger where he opens up his whole body and goes into it. And I mean, it's, it's quite a dramatic move. One that, boy, nobody would ever teach. Definitely homegrown, dug out of the dirt, whatever you want to say. Somebody on Instagram, and I don't remember who it was, put up, you know, Matthew Wolf's swing is... And then it left a blank. So a bunch of us, you know, filled out stuff as you do. And, uh, I, and mine was, uh, I think I put concerning or um, something like that. And then went on to explain my concerns with Matthew Wolf's swing. As he gets older and he loses flexibility, this violence, and, we, and we've learned now, research has come out that this, uh, this whole idea of the X factor of keeping our lower body sort of stationary and then twisting our spine around in order to generate a lot of speed, that that's really hurting our backs. That's just the way it is. I think we all kind of knew that that was going to be the case. We've seen with Tiger Woods, and that's just going to be the case. We're swinging the clubs faster and harder and more violently, and so we're going to, we bring into injury. So that's my concern with Matthew Wolf's swing. I would never, ever teach anybody that. But some of the comments I got back were like, you've never played on tour. You don't know. You know, show me your first check. I mean, see, people can get pretty crazy 
I don't know why. I don't know why it's such a big deal for us to have opinions and just kind of get along. Maybe it's because we're all following the example of Washington, D.C. right now. I have no idea. But that's just it. That's just my concern. And I believe in simplicity. So you take out every crazy, ridiculous move that doesn't make sense to make your swing as simple as possible. Now for a touring pro and these guys that are going out and doing it and that have all the technology and all the coaching and, and can practice eight hours a day, hey, do whatever you want. Okay, I'm just talking about the amateur ranks. We don't have that opportunity, so we want to simplify our swings as much as possible. And Matthew Wolf's swing is not simple. It's a very complex series of unorthodox moves that work out because he is so brilliantly athletic and his timing is impeccable where he can make it work. Folks, we're not Matthew Wolf, so don't go off and try to emulate his swing or copy it. You've got your own swing. And you can figure that out and how your body works by this club throwing practice, this motion, and figuring out how you propel a club. I'm I'm guaranteeing you that if we took Matthew Wolf and said, hey, Matthew, throw this club down the fairway and recorded that, it wouldn't look anything like his swing. He's created this, it works for him and all that, but that's not his natural move. No way. Ho Sung Choi's pretty close. His theatrics happen after the ball's gone. And uh, he's got that, you know, leg kick that he came, came out and said he developed that leg kick to give him an extra 20 yards off the tee. And if he picked up an extra 20 yards off the tee with the, with the leg kick, good for him. I might try it. An extra 20 yards for a leg kick? Give me that all day. And then all the theatrics after that, I, I think he's going to get hurt. But uh, that's always my concern. After losing a, a year of golf to an injury, I think that I'm just a little paranoid. I guess my final point would be, So for us amateurs, when we get this feedback and we have the opportunity to get better, we should take it. We should simplify our golf swings. We should figure out how our bodies move. And that will help us improve to be better golfers much more quickly than ever before. Because with better data, always comes better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com. And we'll see you on the next episode.